Hello everyone, welcome to the Defiant podcast. The internet of money is being built with blockchain technology and without banks. We call it DeFi, short for decentralized finance. And this is where you can hear the builders and users of this cutting edge world tell their stories firsthand. I'm your host, Camila Russo. In this week's episode, I'm interviewing Fernando Martinelli. He's the co-founder and CEO of Balancer Labs what I like to think of as a second-generation automated market maker. To really understand this, let's first briefly talk about AMMs. Banker and Uniswap popularized the concept of a decentralized exchange where tokens get deposited in smart contracts together with a more liquid asset to facilitate trades between any two assets, no matter how illiquid they are. Those who deposit tokens in the protocol are liquidity providers and they get a fee in return. These pools of tokens means that traders don't need to wait for a counterpart and trades can happen automatically. They eliminated the need for order books and complicated interfaces and allowed for a seamless experience, which was many times better than the clunky decentralized exchanges of the past. Balancer Labs is an AMM with a twist. Instead of liquidity providers having to deposit tokens in a pool at a predetermined ratio, together with a more liquid token, usually ETH, Balancer enables users to create token pools that have any ratio they want between their tokens. They can use any combination of tokens and can even exclude ETH. The pools automatically rebalance when tokens price change, so that the same ratio is maintained. This way, liquidity providers are effectively creating something like a tokenized index fund, or ETF. On the other side of the protocol, are the liquidity takers or traders who can exchange tokens from these pools. Traders pay a small fee determined by the liquidity providers or the ETF maker, which means that unlike in traditional finance where you have to pay ETF providers to trade index funds, in Balancer you can create your own fund and get paid for it. Fernando explains how Balancer works and gives a scoop on what's coming up next, including a Balancer token. But let's start at the beginning. All right. Okay, Fernando, thank you so much for joining me today in, in the podcast. I'm really excited for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Camilla. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, great. So I wanted to start with getting um, a little bit of your background. If you can tell me, you know, how you got started and interested in, in crypto and how that led you into founding Balancer. Sure, so I'm a control and automation engineer from Brazil. I did a master's in robotics and image processing. I yeah, started kind of going down the rabbit hole of crypto in early 2013 when Ethereum didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I was very excited with Ethereum and uh, yeah, kind of uh, paid very close attention to the early projects in the space. There weren't many, and one, one that really caught my attention was MakerDAO. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I kind of got involved with the team. I did some uh, collaboration on the control uh, of the target rate um, feedback mechanism. I don't know if you know about it, but um, back then the idea was to have a die that's not pegged to $1, but that fluctuates. Uh, in order to have um, for the system to be able to have negative uh, interest and, and so on and so forth. So that kind of um, 
got me in touch with uh, with Brune and Nikolai, and then we met. Uh, I was in their first meeting in early 2016, and I'm I'm saying all that because it kind of uh, connects to to Balancer, um, and how Nikolai, the co-founder of MakerDAO, kind of got involved with Balancer. So Balancer started, yeah, and I, I kind of uh, slowly moved to a full-time like crypto job or, mm -hmm. or crypto dedication. And uh, that started with Balancer as a project at Block Science. So Block Science is a research um, company that does, uh, yeah, works with complex systems. Mm. It does a lot of works, uh, a lot of uh, cool projects in, in crypto. So yeah, we, we started Balancer as a project there, a, a research project. We kind of um, realized that it had a very big potential um, in DeFi. So we kind of spin it off as its own company, which is Balancer Labs. Mm -hmm. And that's when uh, slowly kind of we showed to other people and got their feedback. Nikolai was very, very excited about the product, uh, the project mm -hmm. as a user, first of all. So he was looking for that for a while. And then he decided to be the pre-seed investor. Mm -hmm. And then he decided to help write the code, uh, nice. which is something he's uh, brilliant. And yeah, he did a great job and he helped a lot. Um, I, I would say he was the main, like the major collaborator or um, yeah, the major person that um, added code to our first version, a version oh, nice. of Balancer. Okay, yeah. so what year was this when you first started the, the project at um, the, the initial research company? That was early 2018. Okay. So it's uh, about and, two years. And, and you were at, at uh, I, I read that you were at Bain? You were at, uh, uh, yes, uh, I, okay. so I used to work for Bain uh, quite a while ago, so mm -hmm. I'm not a millennial. <laughs> uh, so I, I worked for Bain uh, in 2011. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I did an MBA and, and, and kind of, uh, yeah, founded other companies. And uh, Balancer was my first company in crypto. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, okay. And then Balancer was what pushed you to go full-time crypto? Pretty much, yes. Okay, cool. Um, okay. And then in, in 2018, uh, what was it that, you know, you saw so much potential and, and made you want to spin off Balancer as a, separate company like what were the origins of, of balancer that excited you so much so yeah i i i actually also was looking for something like balancer as a user mm. like as someone who wants to uh to provide liquidity and i have my portfolio it's composed of a few different tokens mm -hmm. and all i could see as options was um well actually uniswap wasn't even like a thing it was hadn't been launched uh back mm. then I actually talked to you to um, to Hayden, a great person, by like mid 2018, and we talked about Uniswap and Balancer. Mm -hmm. uh, it took us a, a lot more time to to launch Balancer. It's a bit more complicated, mm -hmm. uh, and and maybe uh, Hayden is just faster, uh, brilliant coder. But anyways, uh, the, the idea that you can provide liquidity on your own terms, so you can say I want to put 20% of zero uh, X and 80% of that. Mm -hmm. that wasn't possible back then. So that, that's how the idea of, of Balancer kind of uh, was born. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we did a lot of research um, and, and a, lot of, a lot of simulations to make sure that it worked and all the mathematical framework made sense back then. Okay. Got it. So if, if you can, if, if you could describe Balancer for an, like a non-crypto person, like w what's the analogy or description you would 
use for the traditional finance world? Uh, it's great that you asked that because it's it's really easy to explain Balancer to non-crypto people. Mm -hmm. It's simply an ETF that you create. So the fact that Balancer keeps continuously rebalancing your 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 pool or your liquidity means that it's it's practically an index fund. It's an ETF. Mm -hmm. So you say I want to have 20% of my dollar value in zero X and 80% in BAT in BAT. Uh, and it will always keep that way 2080, uh, even if the prices of those two tokens vary uh, related relative to each other. So yeah, I, I usually use like if you, like the analogy of Apple stocks and Amazon stocks and Tesla stocks. If you want to be like 30, 30, 40, then you can just put them into a balancer pool. And if Tesla goes up a lot, then uh, that balancer pool will automatically sell Tesla's uh, shares, stocks in order not to be overexposed uh, to Tesla. And the nice thing, best thing is that actually when you have like an index fund or an ETF in the real world, you usually pay fees for that, for mm -hmm. others to rebalance for you, right? Because they have mm -hmm. to do that actively. They have to go out and sell tokens and buy tokens. Actually, Balancer uh, inverts that idea and lets people buy when it wants to sell and it lets people sell when it wants to buy. And actually Balancer charges a fee. So, um, yeah, and then there's all the idea of impermanent loss. I don't get into that detail for, for, for uh, people outside of crypto. But, um, yeah, it, it explains more or less why if prices uh, fluctuate, you end up making money from the trading fees because actually Balancer charges a fee uh, for the liquidity provider instead of the liquidity provider having to pay a fee to have their portfolio rebalanced. Does right, that make okay. sense? Yes, but let's, let's kind of break it down even more. <laughs> like, all right, so... So you're um, saying Balancer is like an ETF, but would it be more like an ETF maker? Like, does it allow people to construct their own ETFs and invest in like other people's ETFs that, that they have also made? Exactly. Perfect. Okay. So you can either create your own pool or use your uh, liquidity and add that liquidity to other existing pools. Correct. Okay. Okay. And then the difference between... Um, fees in traditional ETFs and in Balancer, what you were saying is that for traditional ETFs, you have to pay to provide liquidity, right? You have to pay yes. when you want to buy an ETF. You, you have to pay fees for the portfolio managers, um, the ETF provider, BlackRock, you know, whatever you're buying from. And exactly. in this case, in this case, you're, you receive fees to provide yes. liquidity? Okay, yes. and who is paying those fees? The traders that use the liquidity in Balancer to exchange a token for uh, for another one. Okay. So yeah, let's say you, Camilla, wants to sell uh, 0x for BAT, and I have mm -hmm. a pool with those two tokens. You can just go to my pool and say, I want to exchange one BAT for one 0x, and then you pay as like a, a very tiny fee that goes to me, a liquidity provider. And okay. if someone else yeah, wants to do the other, uh, the other trade, then you're both kind of meeting on my liquidity pool. You could have mm -hmm. kind of uh, used a, uh, an, order, an order book exchange, mm -hmm. but um, by, by having a liquidity pool, you can always trade with that liquidity pool. You don't need to wait for another order to exist uh, for, for people to meet. So that's kind of the main advantage of AMMs. Got it. Okay. Um, so... Um... Okay, so that gets to the other piece of balancer, right? Which is 
it's also uh, an exchange. Is that right? Because you have the, the ETF side of it. And then the other side is, you know, these pools of tokens also create the ability for traders to just come and trade the tokens are, are created in by, by these ETFs, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And okay. So for, for traders to, to use this liquidity, for example, if, if I go and with your example with the zero X, uh, say you have like a zero X ETH pool, for a trader to come and and uh, buy zero X, uh, does it have to be with the same pair of the ETF yeah. of that same ETF, or can it can it just take like from one ETF and another ETF and combine? Yes, you can. So that's something we are building right now, mm -hmm. that kind of multi-hop trade. So okay. if you want to sell A for B and there's no pool with A and B, mm -hmm. you can sell A for C and then C for A, uh, sorry, C for B. So you're trading A for B. But uh, I think the, the question you asked is that, uh, so imagine you have a pool with five different tokens, A, B, C, D, and E. You can trade in, with, only with that pool across any pair uh, of those those five uh, tokens, so okay. A to B, A to C, A to D, which is actually great because you're not fragmenting liquidity across many pools just because you're limited to having two tokens per pool. Mm -hmm. And let me use a very uh, kind of uh, practical example here. Real T, I don't know if you know um, David Hoffman's project. So they they are uh, they are putting uh, tokenized uh, shares of properties on the Ethereum network. The, 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 the like liquidity is a problem. So they have to make sure that those the tokens are liquid. So they have Uniswap pools. But yeah, you would have to have ETH and a property A in one pool, ETH and property B in, other, in another pool, and then so on and so forth. Balancer allows you to have property A, property B, property C, all of those in one pool. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to have ETH as well. So any combination of ERC20 tokens uh, is, is enough. So you don't you don't have that much impermanent loss, which happens when you have like ETH and another token that varies a lot. So yeah, that, that's that's just to show you that you can have one pool with many tokens, and you can trade across any pair uh, of those pool of those tokens in that pool. Right. Okay, so right now you can trade within pairs in in one pool, but in the future you're building so that you can trade uh, between pairs in any any pool across different pools. Too. Right. So if, a, if you want a pair that's not present in any pool, then you need to do a multi-hop trade, which mm -hmm. is, yeah, you, you trade, uh, you, you use an intermediary token mm -hmm. for that trade from A to B, you pass through C and then go back to B. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. That's interesting. And how, how do those fees compare with, with like traditional ETF fees? Like, like, how, how, how much in, in fees should a, a liquidity provider or an ETF buyer be, you know, expecting to, to gain? That, that's uh, also uh, uh, kind of something that shows our flexibility. That's totally mm -hmm. configurable. So the creator of the pool chooses what swap fee or trading fee they will charge mm -hmm. for traders that will use their pool. So you can not only choose what tokens you want to have in your pool, what percentages or uh, weights you want to have mm -hmm. for each of those tokens, 80-20 or 60-40, but you can also say people will trade um, for 1% in my pool. And then it's, it's, the, it's a market thing. So if there's another pool and there can be any 
number of pools because we're totally permissionless and trustless. Mm -hmm. So people can create pools as they want. We cannot censor that. So there can be other pools with a lower fee and traders will probably trade with them more right. than with mine because mine, my fee is higher. But on the other hand, if you have zero fees, then mm -hmm. the, the liquidity providers are not going to be attracted to put their liquidity in that pool because it doesn't generate any, any return for them, mm -hmm. right? right? So there is a sweet spot that it, it's really up to the market. We say we're a market enabler, so we are not kind of um, setting up that fee. We just let anyone choose whatever fee they want and let the market decide what pools are more, uh, most, most successful. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, okay, and then on, on, on the, I, I think like the great innovation that you're doing is allowing these different weights of tokens within these pools, like these different percentages. I think that's the biggest difference with other uh, liquidity uh, providers, other AMMs, right? So how, so, yeah. how, yeah, so how are you, how are you able to make this work? Because I imagine the reason why in, in the past other protocols like Bancor and, and Unisoft, the reason why they, they need specific weights is to secure um, some level of, of liquidity between token pairs, right? So how are you able to, so I, I see how this can work really well for kind of the, the pool side, like the ETF side, but how do you make it work well for the DEX side, like for the exchange side? That's a great question. So we believe, so our focus is uh, mainly, or yeah, our focus is on the liquidity side. So the, mm -hmm. our, our kind of um, strategy or our belief is that if there is a lot of liquidity, then there will be trading. There will be traders uh, coming to our liquidity pools because they offer very good rates or very low slippage mm -hmm. and low fees because some of the pools will have low fees, others will, others will have uh, higher fees. Since you have lots of different pools with the same pair, some will be better for you to buy, others will be, be better for you to sell. So there's different buy and sell prices since there's uh, lots of pools. So we focus on the liquidity provisioning side mm -hmm. and uh, DAXs are kind of, uh, or trade, trades are kind of a, a, a byproduct of that. Got of it. course, like if, you, if you're not integrated and uh, kind of connected to, the, to DeFi, then people will not see our liquidity uh, pools and they will not trade with them. So mm -hmm. we need to be uh, integrated so that there is trades, so that there is trading fees being paid and the pools are profitable. Otherwise, liquidity providers will go elsewhere. Like there's a thousand different projects that projects that are offering for uh liquidity providers to to add their liquidity right mm -hmm. oh, okay does that make, make sense yeah yeah um it does but so so how can you i i i i got that your your focus isn't isn't trading itself it's more of like a byproduct and and fees that traders pay make it more competitive to provide liquidity on on balancer right yes, um that's right so I guess, I guess, okay, so you want to just create the best environment for liquidity providers and you're betting that uh, once, because you have like this great environment to, to um, deposit your, your tokens and, and invest in, in these pools, you'll have enough pairs and, and enough tokens that, you know, it, it'll be a, a good DEX anyways. Yes, kind of. Of course, we need to uh, proactively look for partners to integrate with us. We have one inch already integrated mm -hmm. from day one since we launched and, and they bring most of our uh, volumes. They're, they're great. We're mm -hmm. talking with Paraswap. 
ZeroX API, Kyber. So we're talking to all those kind of uh, users of liquidity. And yeah, we believe that once we have a lot of liquidity and those guys are integrated, then there's going to be lots of trades. So that's, that's kind of our, our belief. Okay, got it. And then the integration with these um, DEX aggregators is so that when traders go to one inch, for example, Balancer appears as one of the alternatives to, to trade in, right? Exactly. That's okay. uh, the case already, yeah. So if you go to one inch and uh, trade, you're going to see Balancer as one of the options. Okay, perfect. Okay, so you, you launched March 31st, right? Yes, correct. And how, how has uh, activity been so far? Like, can you share volumes, users, any, any stats? Sure. Uh, there's a very good overview of stats done by uh, Teo Leibowitz from the block, mm -hmm. which um, we use internally actually to kind of follow the, the stats. Uh, today we have a little bit over $2 million uh, kind of on the protocol which we weren't really expecting that, that really kind of, uh, yeah, even if like we told people and we have a very big red warning uh, mm -hmm. on our pool management uh, UI saying that this is still beta, we have just launched, please don't use a lot of money. Like there's $2 million. Uh, so yeah, we, we were very happy. Trades are not being like, haven't been so, um, yeah, so intense or so big yet because of course there's like little little uh liquidity compared to other dexes mm -hmm. there's not that many pairs now i think we just hit 50 pools yesterday mm -hmm. so there's yeah. already 50 pools that, that the community created mm -hmm. then you can see like there's lots of uh, experimentation uh, with five or seven tokens and and c die and 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 all those different wrappers and so it's and, and there's one thing I haven't talked about, which, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm, I'm changing subjects uh, here, but there's oh, the idea ahead. of, yeah, there's the idea of smart pools, okay. which I think is actually one of the things that make uh, sets us apart, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of, so there, there's, just to explain the idea of smart pools, I have to explain the, the differences of uh, private pools and shared pools. So okay. there's two types of pools on, on, on Balancer. The, when you create a pool, it's by uh, by definition a private pool. You are, Camila, you created that pool 0x AAA. You are the only one who can provide liquidity to it, but you can also change any of the parameters. You can add tokens, remove tokens, change the percentages of, of value for each of those tokens. You can change the swap fee, so you can make the swap fee uh, dynamic. So if there's a lot of volatility, you can increase it. If there's low, low volatility, you can decrease it. So you can do whatever you want, but you are the only one who can provide liquidity to that pool. Okay. As soon as you want others, because you, you think your pool is cool and it will attract a lot of liquidity, you can make it a shared pool. So you mm. click, like you, you call a function, and then once you turn it into a shared pool, there's no turning back. It's a one-way street. Mm -hmm. And then other people can add liquidity to that pool, but you lose all your rights and that pool cannot be changed. So okay. the tokens will always be ABC and the weights and the swap fee will never change. Mm. Now, so those two, two kinds of pools are, yeah, so they, they are kind of the built-in by the protocol, mm -hmm. but there's a nice third type of pool, which actually, it's actually a type of private pool, which is uh, instead of you, uh, Camila, using your own address to create a private pool, you write a smart uh, contract that mm -hmm. will deploy a pool, and that smart contract controls that pool. Mm -hmm. So that smart contract is actually a gateway for others to provide liquidity to that pool that only the smart contract can change. 
Okay. So when, whenever people invest liquidity in that pool, they do that through the smart contract, the controller smart contract. Mm -hmm. And that smart contract can do things that mm -hmm. uh, people agree that it can do. For example, dynamic fees. So you, you create a smart pool that uh, cannot add new tokens, cannot change weights, but mm -hmm. uh, it can change the swap fee if volatility is high, it increases and decreases. So mm -hmm. I can invest in that pool, even if it's a private pool, I cannot put money directly into it. Mm -hmm. I through your controller, your smart contract, I can add liquidity to that pool. And I know all that can happen, uh, that can happen is the, the swap fee changing. And there's lots of other ideas like, um, like Realty, for example, they're probably gonna use uh, a smart pool where they kind of allow themselves to add new properties. Because imagine like if you had like seven properties and then you have a, a, an eighth one they just acquired in another city, they would have to create another pool with all the seven ones plus this one and everyone would have to migrate their liquidity to the new pool. Mm. So that would be kind of a hassle, right? So um, they can have a smart pool where people know that they cannot steal money because it's there, like the smart contract, everyone can read and it's going to be audited. Mm -hmm. But people know that they have the authority to add a new property, which is oh, amazing, okay. right? Yeah. So that, that's, that, that, the smart pool concept is something that really blows my mind because there's like nice ideas that have already been implemented. Uh, I don't know if you heard of PyDAO, mm -hmm. yeah. plus. That's actually a smart pool. So BTC++ is a balancer pool mm -hmm. that their smart contract controls and they can like swap uh, a change the, yeah, a lot of uh, different parameters. They can stop uh, trading. For example, when the in, uh, IMBTC uh, problem happened, mm -hmm. I think like 10 days ago, they, they could like pause the, the trading because they control that, uh, that balancer pool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's lots of uh, interesting features you can have with a smart pool on Balancer. Oh, that's so interesting. And and so do does everyone who provided liquidity to that pool have the ability to update the smart contract? Not really. So the it, it, imagine it's a DAO. So mm -hmm. people who provide liquidity have like a share in that DAO, and oh, well, the, the, so it's it's really um, it's it's really open. So the the smart pool creator can say, I'm gonna have the power to do anything. So mm -hmm. for example, Rio T, so they are the only ones who can add a new, a new property. Mm -hmm. But you could have a DAO like, like PyDAO or like Moloch DAO, where you could have a vote, like a vote where token holders of that DAO can say, we want to add a new token. And then if, if it's like, if 75% or more of the, of the token holders of that DAO voted yes, then that smart contract mm -hmm. automatically adds that token. Okay. So, yeah, so you can have both ideas. So okay. either like a DAO-like or someone who centralizes the power of that uh, controller. Okay, it's great that it provides that kind of flexibility to kind of decide what the pool will look like in, in the future. Um, and and that's, already, that's already launched together with the private pools and it was private pools, public pools, and then smart pools. Those are the three categories of like yes. ETFs that you have. Exactly. Them. So yeah, the smart pools are one subset of private pools that are controlled right. by smart contracts. And actually the, uh, the, the PyDAO one hasn't been done by us. So they, they looked at, at our documentation, they understood the code very, they were very fast, they audited it already. So we expect the, um, the ecosystem or the space to kind of come, developers to come up with ideas for smart pools for example, the dynamic fee pool, like uh, like Uber works so well because when everyone wants to, to, to get a ride, then the prices go up and then mm -hmm. there's enough cabs for, for people to, to go home, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 
like uh, similarly, if, if you think of uh, dynamic pools on, on Black Thursday, everyone wanted to trade because they wanted to close their CDPs or their vaults and like they really were like willing to pay three or 5% for a trade, mm -hmm. but there's no, not enough liquidity uh, in, in many cases. So yeah, that, that, that idea for a smart pool is something we believe will, will come up soon of like, yeah, this smart pool, all it can do is change the, 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 the swap fees when volatility is higher. And then, of course, it's kind of a template of a smart pool that you can deploy for different tokens. So you, Camila, will have a dynamic fee pool for 0x and that, mm -hmm. and I will have for ETH and DAI, for example. Okay, right. Um, okay, and, and then you were saying, going, going back to the, the question on your number so far, so you were saying you have 50 different pools created by the community so far. So... Have those pools, like all of them, been just like created by people like use, using Balancer, or did did you create uh, pools of, of your own to kind of get the system going? No, it it was all the community. So uh, I have to say we've been already talking with uh, friends, like kind of alpha testers, mm -hmm. like since last year. Uh, a lot of people kind of connected to the maker community uh, in 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 our Discord channels and and Keybase and etc. So they created everything. And that's kind of why if you look at the, the distribution of value across tokens, you're going to see a lot more value uh, in Maker and ETH. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the majority so far of liquidity. But yeah, it's, it's been all the community and uh, we help them. So we, for now, we don't, still don't have a UI front end for people to create their own pools. So okay. all those pools have been created with like the smart contracts, like interactions on Etherscan. Mm -hmm. We're working on uh, kind of a, a friendly kind of interface for, for people to create their pools without having to interact with smart contracts directly. And oh. like a, a wrapper and a proxy that does all the, the steps that you need to create a pool, that like a proxy that uh, Thomasizes all of those into, into one transaction. Kind of similar if you um, yeah, open the CDP a long time ago, you had to go like through 12 steps mm -hmm. and eventually they created that proxy that does everything in one, in one go. So we're planning on doing the same. Okay, that'll be good. Um, so, so right now, for like the average non-technical user, the um, the way that they're probably interacting with Balancer would be to invest in other people's pools that they already created, right? Yes, that's okay. correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, great. And then, uh, so you 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 mention. Um, Talking about about fees, I, I I was thinking about whether you you as a protocol take your your own fees and and what your business model is like. How are you planning to make money in the long term? That's a great question. So for now, we don't take any fees. We the protocol. the The idea is that we're going to launch a, a version two. Like um, yeah, the the estimated time is not yet. Kind of yeah, I can't really tell you when but the, the idea is when we launch this second version there will be a token and our actually that that kind of uh, is tied up to the vision to the long-term vision of balancer uh the, the vision is to be fully decentralized a little bit like maker so we want like token holders to control the future of the of the protocol and balancer labs will kind of eventually fade out and uh cease to exist so the, the idea is that when we launch that token, we will also launch a protocol uh, level fee. So that will be 
probably a percentage of the trading fees that are generated within Balancer. Mm -hmm. And that will go to, to the token holders somehow. So we're still thinking of, uh, yeah, is it going to be a buy and burn mechanism or, mm -hmm. but the, the idea is that the company Balancer Labs still is not going to have any of that. It's just going to go like to all the token holders. So that's why we kind of uh, didn't want to have a fee in this first version, which we consider like an MVP. There's lots mm -hmm. of new features we are launching on V2. So yeah, the idea is, is uh, a token that encompasses governance and also cruise value through a small fee that's charged um, yeah, by the protocol for every trade that's made. Wow, that's that interesting. Sense. Yeah. So what, what, what sort of utility will the token have within the protocol? So the, the token will be mainly a governance token mm -hmm. because there, there will be more and more as the, the, the protocol kind of gets more, more complex. Uh, for example, there will be token rewards. So like some pools will get rewarded with balancer tokens for providing liquidity. And that's something mm -hmm. actually we, we're gonna uh, announce pretty soon. Uh, you, you have to kind of have some governance as to what types of tokens will uh, be able will, will be eligible to be rewarded because otherwise Camila you and I we can create Camila and Fernando tokens and uh, create a balancer pool and trade a lot because only we control those tokens and generate a lot of fake volume to mm. get balancer tokens so there has to be some governance as to okay those tokens are kind of whitelisted they are widely uh, held by other people mm -hmm. so we're going to provide balancer tokens for for um, yeah, people who provide liquidity with them Mm. And uh, there's like the, 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 the own, like the protocol fee is itself a governance decision. Like if you charge a mm. huge fee, uh, let's say we charge hundred percent of the, of the trading fees goes to the protocol. No one's going to trade with balancer or no one's going to provide liquidity because uh, they, they have not nothing out of it. So people will just fork balancer or people will provide liquidity to other protocols. Mm -hmm. So uh, if we don't charge anything uh, for the protocol level fee, then it's not sustainable. We can't right. really continue developing this, right? So there's a, a sweet spot mm -hmm. and that's gonna be decided by the governance. So yeah, mainly the token will be a, a governance token and yeah, there's definitely gonna be other types of utilities attached to right. it. Because, so for, for a governance token um, to, to actually work and if you're gonna use it as, as, as your kind of a business model in the long term, like there, there would have to be a way for this token to to gain in in value, right? Um, so I don't know, like, are, are, will it be uh, like the kind of the base token through which other tokens are traded, or are you Good thinking question. along those lines? Yeah, so there's a few options like staking balancer tokens to be mm -hmm. able to trade or to be able to provide liquidity. Uh, we're leaning more. Uh, towards not adding friction to mm -hmm. the protocol. So you don't need to hold any, any balancer tokens in order to trade or to provide liquidity. Mm -hmm. But if you hold the balancer token, it's indirectly accruing value from trading fees being generated. For example, you have a pool if die and the protocol gets 5% of the trading fees. So it accumulates if and die. And at some point it auctions those if and die for balancer tokens. So okay. it kind of pulls from the market uh, and burns them May, uh, accruing value to to balancer token so that that's kind of uh, yeah the idea we're yeah still considering that is um really interesting and so um so the idea is that balancer labs will will fade and then 
uh, there would be like I guess like a DAO for like community-wide governance of, of yeah. balancer. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the like governance is a very very hard subject, and we're seeing like still like companies like or or protocols like MakerDAO struggling with mm -hmm. uh, with that. So we we're probably gonna learn a lot from those experiments in the following years. Mm -hmm. But the idea is definitely to uh, yeah either either DAO or some other mechanism that is controlled by token holders. Okay. That's gonna be the yeah. And then the, the balancer labs the company will be dissolved and, and fade away and yeah, phase out, be phased okay. out. And I, I know you say you, you don't have like a date for launch, but is like is this something that you're envisioning for this year, for the next five years, or like for the next ten years? Like how probably probably next year. I, okay. If I were yeah, if I were to bet, we're already working actively on V two, mm -hmm. but yeah, probably it, it will be next year because we we take security very seriously. So we uh, like like our MVP, our version one, like it was mainly ready like in September last year, but mm -hmm. yeah, we we did a lot of testing and auditing. So probably next year, I would say, uh, is V2 um, timeline. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. No. Uh, that's that. That will be a huge transition. Um, okay. And then, so it's great that you brought up the security question because we've had, you know, so so many issues lately in in DeFi. So you said you you did testing, you did audits, um, like what what were you know what are the the steps that you that you took yourself to to prevent anything um any bug or or, or anything wrong uh, happening and and what would you recommend the, the rest of DeFi projects to do yeah so we we followed all the best practices like some of the most recent attacks like happened because of very kind of uh simple things that were have been known for a while like the checks effects interactions pattern would have uh of, like prevented the reentrancy attack for mm -hmm. uh for deforce for example so yeah nikolai he, he's been around for a while so he, he followed all those best practices our cto mike mcdonald is also like a brilliant coder and and uh, a great um yeah tech guy so we've uh, yeah we followed all those best practices. Mm -hmm. We did an audit with Cherry of Bits. Not only an audit was like many audits. Like they they had a like a five day audit, a two day audit. They kind of helped us shape the code until we mm -hmm. got to the final version where they did their final audit. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna do a, a second audit where uh, with consensus diligence, mm -hmm. and after that we're probably uh, gonna have like have had the like the protocol with two million dollars for a month probably uh, out in a while. So we're gonna slowly be more confident to bring more liquidity and, and uh, launch the rewards program where people will get balancer tokens, or actually they will get, uh, uh, if we launch a token in V2, so of course we mm -hmm. can't really come make a, a promise because there's many things that could happen that we uh, would prevent us from launching a token, but if we launch a token, then they will get kind of a backward um, yeah, re kind of retroactively the rewards for providing liquidity in V1. Oh, okay. So yeah, security. Yeah, security is, is definitely something we think very seriously. We spent a lot of money to to have audits, and we'll do a second audit. Have a bug bounty as well, so mm -hmm. anyone who finds a, a critical bug on Balancer can get twenty five thousand mm. dollars. Yeah, so I think that. Okay. So okay, so 
that, that's um that's i don't know it, it's an interesting topic because this this whole ecosystem is supposed to be about um being being open uh but that that obviously creates a double-edged sword in 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 the sense that so anyone can build but that doesn't mean that anyone can build safely and at the same time you have people who are building these projects and that can be accessed by by anyone so you have this like perfect storm of like people building pro maybe projects that are unsafe and then anyone being able to access these <laughs> projects and then yeah. the 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 kind of the um, the requirements to make these uh, projects safer i guess are maybe not accessible to to everyone like you mentioned you had to spend a lot of money to get these audits so i mean yeah. to get a sense like how how much does um do, do audits cost a, a project or, or how much like a like a complete like safety plan cost for a DeFi project if you put together camilla the like a, a bug bounty program plus all the pre-audits and, and 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 final audits and maybe two audits to make sure that you have two different like groups uh, of people looking at your code i would say it's uh definitely more than a hundred thousand so mm. it's in the the six digit figures and um yeah i i would say it could could go from anywhere from a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand wow so yeah it gets very expensive if you take it seriously yeah yeah, it's a it costs shame. a lot of money. It 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 obviously raises kind of the barrier of entry to building in in this space. But I guess it's I mean it's so needed. We've seen so many attacks and and people lose money. So yeah, the, I I mean the other. So I, I totally agree with you that mm -hmm. uh, I also love like that guy that programs alone in, in mm -hmm. their like, like garage and garage. Yeah, the white hacks and but. Uh, if people know that that project hasn't really spent a lot of money in audits and in security, at least make sure that you look at it and see that there's been like a honeypot for long enough um, that like probably a lot of hackers took a look at it and haven't managed to, to hack it mm -hmm. instead of like investing your money in something that just launched last week and doesn't have any audits, right? So if it doesn't have any audit, at least wait like a, a few months until other people that are more risk uh, friendly they've invested enough money to make it uh, a honeypot. Like Samsung, mm -hmm. that uh, famous hacker, he, he told himself that he's like, he waits for projects and protocols to catch his attention. Uh, and that happens usually when there's enough money being traded. Right. Uh, and yeah, some money, like a honeypot for others to, to get interested as well. That's right. when he, he looks at the code and yeah. No, that's a, that's a great tip for, for users to, to look at for sure. Um, okay, and also on the, on the line of security, wanted to ask you about um, your admin keys and the level of control you have over Balancer. That's a great question. And we're very proud to say that we have zero uh, privileges or zero admin functions. We have nothing. So we, we, uh, Balancer is completely trustless and permissionless. We can't mm -hmm. stop a pool once it's been uh, deployed. We don't control any like protocol wide um, variables or, or properties mm -hmm. that's probably going to change in v2 because okay. it will get more complex we'll, mm -hmm. we'll have like this protocol level fee but mm -hmm. it will be 
uh, always like um, like the ethos of Balancer or our culture is to make things as stressless as possible. So we still are not going to be able to censor or to whitelist what tokens can be created or added to Balancer pools. We're never going to be able to stop a pool or to to do things uh, to 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 pool. So yeah, for now it's completely trustless. Just wow. like uh, very few other projects have yep. that level of uh, zero uh trust uh yes yeah, zero kind of admin control and mm. we are one of them okay really really cool um so okay so you recently announced a an investment round right was it a Correct. three million yes three million three million from a placeholder yes accomplice and inflection and coin fund so accomplice and placeholder were the co-leads mm -hmm. and then uh followers were coin fund and uh, inflection great and then when, when you were talking about your token i was wondering whether uh, investors in in this um round which i mean i i assume they they, they invested three million for stock in balancer labs in for equity in the company right Yes, exactly. Did they also get kind of the option of, of getting balancer tokens when V2 launches? Yeah, so the, 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 the idea is that the company will have uh, a part of the, of the full supply when V2 launches. Mm -hmm. And the tokens held by the company are going to be kind of pro rata, um, yeah, given out to all shareholders. So ah. investors have a share of the company. They will have like the same pro rata share of the tokens that uh, the company will, will get. Got it. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Interesting. Okay, and then um, I guess to, to, to start wrapping up, I, I just wanted to, you know, get your, your more broader vision for, for Balancer. So mm -hmm. you, you talked about, you know, B2 already, but want to get a sense of where you see balancer and DeFi in way out into the future say in 10 20 years like what role do you see balancer playing in this new financial system that's a great question um very philosophical i mm -hmm. i see like balancer v10 probably mm -hmm. in uh in so many years i i think that there's going to be so many new things and changes that if a protocol like us or any other protocol doesn't keep up and evolve um, over time, they're, they're gonna be dead. So yeah, I, I hope that Balancer is still around. We're gonna do our best to, to make sure that it does. Mm -hmm. I see like the conventional world using Ethereum. I'm, I'm an Ethereum uh, or Ethereum bullish uh, person. So I see uh, as soon as we have scaling and, and, and all those features that we're, uh, we need to kind of bring the, the conventional world to, to Ethereum, I see like stocks and, and, and all types of ownership, uh, things that haven't been possible so far, like uh, fractional ownership of so many things in the world that are just, it's just too expensive to, to, to make happen in a conventional system. I see like uh, creators of art, I see Harburger, taxes, I see so many things. And uh, I think Balancer is, is a great way and AMMs in general is a great, are, are a great way to let people invest their portfolios without the hassle of having to run like infrastructure of market makers, mm -hmm. like uh, they have to do when uh, they're investing in, or they're putting orders on order-based exchanges. So if you, uh, if you leave your order there for longer than a few minutes, then it's gonna be stale. 
mm -hmm. or it will be kind of um, yeah, uh, out of date. So you're going to be selling for too cheap or buying for too much. So I, I see I see AMMs in general as uh, a great way for inclusion of um, liquidity providers. And I, I see Balancer as one key tool, uh, key building block for people to get creative and create like smart pools that do things that we can't imagine today, mm -hmm. but uh, probably very cool things that, yeah, uh, have to do with DAOs controlling what configuration of pools uh, they want and treasury kind of management of, of, uh, of pools, of, mm -hmm. of, of uh, projects and, yeah, and, and companies. Okay. Um, yeah, I love that vision of, you know, having um, Ethereum and DeFi be this layer to tokenize any asset and just give access to everyone to, to manage these assets in, in a simpler way that, you know, cuts out all the intermediaries and paperwork and, and just time and bureaucracy of the traditional um, financial system that we're all used to. So. Um, yeah, I really hope this this pans out because I think it's it's so needed uh, right now. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, great. Uh, okay, so what uh, what should in the very short term, like what should uh, people expect from from Balancer? Like like what are the the very next features or I don't know things that are the most exciting that you're working on right now? Uh, we're working with lots of integrations mm -hmm. and uh, liquidity providers will feel that by like uh, an increased trading volume in their pools and of course uh, ROI or profitability APR of their pools. We are uh, about to launch, I'd say like in maybe a month's time, the over like the, the front end uh, interface for people to create their own pools. Great. So if they're not happy with the pools that are created, they, they're, they're not comfortable with interacting on Etherscan to create a, a, a new pool. They'll have like that front end I, I mentioned in the, in the beginning of our uh, chat. Uh, and also the rewards program, which I think is going to be very interesting because people will get that, as I said, kind of uh, promise that if ever we launch a, a token, they will get a share of those tokens. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of a, yeah, a conditional promise. Right. And for people who provide liquidity in, in tokens that are kind of uh, widely held, um, yeah, so I think that that's uh, one of the things that are very exciting that are, we're going to be soon announcing. Awesome. Very interesting. Um, well, Fernando, really, thank you so much uh, for, for your time. It's been really interesting. I love learning about Balancer and yeah, can't wait to see all, all the developments coming up. Thank you so much, Camila. Yes. Yeah, so if you, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure to, to, to be here. If you want to, yeah, check it out, you can go to balancer.finance and there you're going to see kind of our main website and there's like links to our Twitter, Discord. If you have any questions, more technical ones, you're very welcome uh, on this uh, Discord channel. And there's also links to the Balancer Exchange portal where you can exchange two tokens and also the other portal, which is uh, pool management portal. So you can add liquidity to existing shared pools. Yeah. Awesome. Thank very you cool. so much. It was great. <laughs> Thank you. Great talking to you. I'll continue to interview all the major founders and influencers in this emerging space. When DeFi eats the world, you can say you heard them here first. Tune in next week.